And so today we are literally at the conclusion of our four-week series. We're going to wrap it up. God has given us the honor for the past three weeks to talk about different aspects of Christ. When you look at the Bible, Jesus said so many times who he was. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So many things he said, I am the bread of life. And for the past three weeks, we've been talking several things that Jesus is. And week one, we said that Jesus is victory. He is the only one that can say, I am victory. Because he took the sting of death. He took the victory out of the grave. And because he died on the cross, he gave us victory. So Jesus can say, I am victory. That was week one. Week two, which happens to fall on Resurrection Sunday, we talked about Jesus saying, I became alone. And in the Bible, Gospel according to St. Luke, Jesus declared from the cross, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me or why have you left me alone referring that Jesus became lonely so that you and I don't ever have to be alone and last week week three we talked about Jesus declaring I am grace where Paul tells us in Ephesians that by grace we have been saved through faith and today as I wrap up the series we're going to focus on a fourth I am of Jesus where Jesus can tell us today I am preeminence I am preeminence and for that I want you to go to Colossians chapter number 1 verses 15 through and including 20 Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 through and including 20 and the writer tells us the apostle Paul tells us speaking of Christ he says the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for in him who is him Christ all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him that's important you understand all things were created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body that's important as well he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and I want to start off by saying that when you look at the Bible it is virtually impossible to look at the Bible absent from Christ. As a matter of fact, Jesus 
is the central figure of the Bible. All the way from Genesis through and including Revelation. Everything you see, every typology, every artifact, any furniture, every sacrifice, every way of doing tabernacle. When you look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you will find and see that Jesus is the central figure of the Bible. Now understand this. We see in the Bible as well that Jesus makes reference to this truth. And he tells and explains to his disciples how the prophets of old made reference to Christ. You have to understand that in, for the Jew in the times of Christ, the sacred books to read were the books of Moses, which was the Pentateuch, were the prophetic books, the books of the prophets, and also the book of Psalms. Any great Jew, any pious Jew would take these books with the seriousness that it represents. And to them, these books or these authors were non-negotiable in their Hebraic faith. And Jesus in Luke chapter 24 verse 44, he says, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. What is, what is Jesus telling his audience? He's telling them, you guys revere, revere, you guys revere the books of Moses. You guys revere the books of the prophet. You guys revere the book of Psalms. But everything that has been said... I am the, re the reality of what was said. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Not only that, but Jesus is not only the fulfillment, but Jesus is the Christ. But he is also the Messiah. And so this speaks to us of both his humanity and his divinity. When you study Christology, Christology is the synergy or the unity between God, man, and God, divine. And let me submit to you today that Jesus Christ, this preeminent Savior, Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God simultaneously at the same time. I want you to understand that it wasn't that he became God when he rose from the dead. While he was on earth, he was 100% God. And simultaneously, he was 100% human. Now, here's one great thing about Christ. That even though Christ man was born on the, on the earth, although Christ man was born through a woman, Christ is not a created being like man. The Bible says that God created man in his image and his likeness. When we talk about Christ, Christ was not created like a man. As a matter of fact, he existed before all things in the Godhead. And look what John chapter 1 verse 1 and 2 says. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. 
And this word we're reading is making reference to Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Let's take out word and put Jesus. In the beginning, Jesus was. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. So my first point today is Jesus is the manifest image of the Godhead. That's what Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says. The Son, referring to Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God. You have to understand that throughout all of the Old Testament, God will show himself through typologies. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, a burning bush, the holy of holies. He would always show up through typologies of God. Or typologies make a reference to who God was and God is. But now Paul says, when Jesus showed up in the planet and when Jesus came to the earth and God became flesh, the kenosis, when he lowered himself and became a human, now Paul says in Colossians 1.15 that the Son is the actual image of this invisible God. And he tells us that Jesus is the exact image of the invisible. Which is why when you read when you read the Bible when Philip is sitting with Jesus and Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father. And what did Jesus tell Philip? He said, Philip, you've been with me so long and you still don't know. He says, I tell you this, whoever sees me sees the Father. In Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, we read how God created the first man. And check this out. This is important. It says that God created the first man in his image. God created man in God's image. Now, the difference is that the first man was created in the image of God. However, Jesus is the image of God. It's a big difference. Man was created in the image. Jesus is the image of God. As if to say Jesus Christ is our manifestation of the image of God here on earth. That's why John says in chapter 1 verse 14, he says, And this word, and this, this God became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we beheld, the song we just sang shows your glory, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is Christ telling us today? When he says, I am preeminent, he is telling us, I am God. I am the image. I am the radiance of the image of who God is. And if you see me, you will see God. And that's why I became flesh, so that all who will see me will be held the glory of the Father. Now in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples to a place called Caesarea of Philippi. And he takes the disciples there towards the end of Jesus' ministry. And while they're there, he asks them a question. He asks them, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now when he asks, who do people say, he's not making, he's not making reference to the people in Jerusalem because he's not in Jerusalem. He is in Caesarea Philippi and he's standing in a, for, let me tell you this, Caesarea Philippi was known by a pagan city. They had all types of gods, wooden gods, 
uh, gods made of, of, of bronze, gods, idols made of, of silver, idols made, statues made of all kinds of materials. And when you would go to this specific region, it was a place where they had a shrine full of different statues and different images and different idols and false gods. And in the middle of that scenario, he asked his disciple, I want to know what the people in, in Caesarea Philippi, who do they say that I am? That's the context. The, the question came about because of the location they were in. And this location was known for idol worship. And so when Jesus asked the question, all of the answers that the disciples gave Jesus was based on what the people were saying. But Peter finally provides the correct answer. In the midst of all of these gods, in the midst of all of these false worship, in the midst of all these pagan gods, Peter stands up with authority and he gives the right answer and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter was saying that he saw that Jesus' image, remember, Jesus' image is above any human image as it pertains to idol worship. He says, I know there's a lot of images in Caesarea Philippi. I know there's a lot of idols, but I want to say that the only true image of who God is, is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the revelation and the manifestation of the Father, which is God. Jesus represented the character. Now, when we talk about likeness and when we talk about image, you have to understand that it's not just looking like God. It's not, the image doesn't just refer to eyes, nose, pulchritude. But it actually, it represents character. It represents attributes. The other day, well, all the time, every time I, my, my, one of my good friends, Pastor Choco, uh, every time we travel and we hang out together, we go to restaurants and we, we, we spend some time together. And sometimes when, when we're traveling, the last, the last time we were together, someone asked Pastor Choco, and don't get offended, Pastor Choco, somebody asked Pastor Choco if I was his son. Because he said, they, the person said that we look like each other. Now, if you look at Choco, Pastor Choco, and you look at Pastor Gabby, we do not look alike. The only thing we have alike is that little line we have right here. That's the only thing we have alike. We don't look alike. He's taller than I am. I'm shorter. He's more bulkier. I'm less bulkier. His demeanor is different. His facial features are different than mine. But here's the deal. There's something about associating with someone long enough that you start acting like them and looking like them and expressing like them and I'm here to tell you today that the more you get closer to God and the more you live in proximity with God and the more you spend time in his presence you become an image to this world of what God is listen I am 48 years old I've never seen God I've never seen Jesus I've never seen the Holy Spirit I've never seen an angel I've never seen a Cupid but I know God exists because I seen God in my parents in the way they lived and serve the Lord you want the world to see God so that that verse can come to pass and they beheld his glory glory of the only begotten of the father I dare you to live a life in proximity with Jesus so that you can reflect in the world the image of God operating through your life so when we talk about the image of God it's not looking like him as far as eyebrows nose and ears it's talking about his character his attributes and so when Jesus, when Paul says that Jesus is the image of the Father, he is saying Jesus has the characteristics of God the Father. 
He has the attributes of God the Father. He has the divinity of God the Father. He also represented the power and the authority of God the Father here on earth. So what am I telling you? Jesus is the manifest image. My second point is Jesus, this manifest image, Jesus is the sustainer of all things. That's why Paul in Colossians chapter 1, he tells us that he is the image of God. But then when you get to verse 17, he's going to tell us that he's a sustainer. He says, in him who Christ, in him who Jesus, who is Jesus? The image of God. In this Jesus, all things hold together. Understand this church, that humans are made up of many different organisms. We're composed of atoms, organs, etc. Simultaneously to us, the earth. We live in is comprised of many different factors. Gravity, oxygen, the moon, the sun, the stars sit in outer space, suspended in the air, showing its beauty here on earth. And here's what's crazy. If any one of these things are interrupted from its proper function in the slightest form, it can literally cause a cataclysmic havoc. If the earth decides to stop spinning, if the moon decides not to show up at night, if the sun decides not to no longer provide heat, the world as we know it will begin to suffer global chaos. However, all of it can work as it should be. Here's why. Because of God's work and because of God's word. Listen to me. The sun has to come up every morning because God's word. He's not, he's not just the image of God. He is the sustainer of everything. The reason why the moon has to show up every night because God is sustaining the moon. The reason why the earth is orbiting around the sun is not because the earth feels like doing it every day. It's because God is sustaining everything that is. And because God said, let there be, it has to be. I want you to understand that. If you understand that reality, if the world cannot move because God said it and he's sustaining it how much more whatever he said on your behalf how much more he said about your healing how much more he said about your family and it might not look like what God spoke but just gotta give it time because after a while what God has spoken over your life shall come to pass can somebody say amen if he said it it will come to pass and so John chapter 1 verse 3 one through three. I'm going to read it again. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This preeminence. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Through who? Through him. And who is him in John chapter one, verse, verse one through three? The word and what does the word mean in greek it reads it means logos now there's a, there's an individual who lived during the era of 10 through 15 before christ by the name of philo of alexandria and philo of alexandria gives us several definitions of the word logos the first one is logos in the athetos the second is logos prophorikos and the third one is Logos Spermaticus. And I'm going to explain this. And this is what Philo tells us. He tells us that the first two expressions of the Logos 
are closely connected because the word uttered is the vehicle that delivers to the outside the product or the handiwork of the internal unquote. Let me explain that for you. What is the logos in diatetos? Let me give you the significance of the meaning of the word. The logos in diatetos, the word literally is the remaining word within. It is the word that is inside of you. It is the logos. It is the word that you don't speak. Let me give you an example. Last night, before I went to bed, I was, I don't know if you ever done this, but I was talking to myself. And I was like, okay, well, when I wake up tomorrow, I got to do this. I got to prepare. I got to do a couple of sermon outlines for CMN. And I got to study. And I got to do some homework. I mean, so some personal study. And, and I went to sleep telling myself in my mind that when I would wake up in the morning, I was going to do those things. You know what happened at 5 o'clock in the morning? At 5 o'clock in the morning, I woke up and I literally did everything. I spoke to myself in my mind. Now understand this. The logos in diatetos is the part of the word that you don't speak outside, but you speak inside. Now, the logos, prophorikos, is the uttered word. It's the logos. Is now, I'm not just thinking what I'm going to do. Logos, prophorikos, is now, when I woke up in the morning, that's the manifestation of what I was saying to myself when I didn't open my mouth. I want you to get this because this is how God works when it comes to his word. So you have the logos in the atetos, which is the part of the word you don't speak. But then the logos proparicus or proparicus is when you utter it. But then the third one is the logos spermaticus. And what is the logos spermaticus? It is to not only speak a word in your head, it's not only to bring it to pass, but now to sustain what you said so that it can always be. So when we talk about God and he was the word and the word became flesh and we, and, and, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father. What is God telling us? That, when, that this Jesus, this preeminent savior, when he, when he speaks a word, when he declares a word, when he utters a word, this logos, when he speaks, he is the God that thinks, he's the God that speaks, and he's the God that sustains. That's why when I look at God, it is because of this revelation, we can take comfort because we know if his word can keep the earth going in circuit and in, 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 in orbit if we know that nature is taking its course then surely his word can keep us and sustain us and I don't know what people have been telling you I don't know what you've been hearing around there but why don't you close your ears to the words of the enemy and words of negativity and open your ears to hear what the word of the Lord has for you and let your life be led by the word of God so that when God speaks he'll bring it to pass and he'll sustain his purpose in your life can i get a good amen in the house of the lord now listen to me look what the bible tells us about the people of israel who by the way by the way they were in the wilderness they had nothing i don't know if you've been to the wilderness but in the wilderness nothing grows Except for cactuses. Nothing grows in the wilderness. Look what the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. It says, he humbled you. Causing you to hunger. 
and then feeding you with manna, manna where? In the desert, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If we go by human terms, well then nothing should be growing in the desert. But what did God do in the desert? What did God tell Moses in the desert? He told Moses, Moses, take your rod and hit the staff and hit the rock with your, with, hit, the, hit the rock with your staff because water is going to come out. Now, if we go by the laws of nature, it is impossible for water to come out of a rock. But when God speaks, he brings it to pass and he'll sustain it. And you know what happened? Moses struck the rock. And water came out. God told Moses, Moses, tell the people to wake up early in the morning because bread is going to fall from heaven. Manna is going to come down. Manna don't come out in the desert. But when God speaks a word and when God brings it to pass, he will sustain it. And let me tell you, every day they lived in the wilderness, bread showed up every single day. And every day when they were hungry, God gave them meat to eat. There were no animals in the wilderness. But let me tell you, the wilderness will submit to the word of God. The rock will submit to the word of God. I'm here to tell you, church, it doesn't matter how arid your desert may be. It doesn't matter how deserted your situation may be. God's word and God's sustaining power and God's word to bring it to pass is bigger and better and stronger than whatever you're going through. So in the middle of your wilderness, let us learn like the people of Israel. I might be in a wilderness, but water is going to come out the rock tomorrow. I might be in a mess, but I'm going to drink from the water I might be in a circumstance but I'm going to taste from the manna I might be in my pain but I'm going to eat the provision of God and that's what I want to tell you today that Jesus is preeminent power not only gives you a word but will sustain you and will bless you in the process until you get your victory to the glory of the father that's why we do not live by the means of this world we don't live by what the world provides us. No, but we live by the sustaining power of the word of Christ, which is God. Jesus revealed to mankind. Look at the writer of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says. He says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word sustaining spermaticos he is spermaticating he is sustaining all things by the power of his word and because his word sustains us we all have provision because his word sustains us we have peace because his word sustains us we have healing because his word sustains us we are comforted because his word sustains us we have joy and we can live life confidently and boldly why because his word sustains us that's why my life and your life is in his hands so point number one, Jesus is the manifest image. Point number two, Jesus is the sustainer of all things. And point number three, Jesus is the head. Colossians chapter one verse 18 says, 
He is the head of the church. He is the head of the body, the church. And so in Colossians chapter 118, he tells us he is the head of the body, the church. Interesting that the Greek word for head in this text is the word kephale. And it literally implies he is the master Lord. He is the chief. He is the preeminent. The scripture, listen, tells us that Jesus is the head of the church. And I want to submit to you, in case, I, I'm sure we know by now, let me tell you church, that we all know that the church is not defined by a building. But you in your house, me in my house, my neighbor in their house, we are the church. That's why we're not sustained by a building, we're sustained by a word of God. That's why in your house, with this word, you can continue to be the church in spite of what you're going through. That's why in your situation, despite of what you're going through, you can still be God's church because of his word in your circumstance. Jesus is the head of the church that means that we if Jesus is the head of the church that means that we are submitted to his will and to his purpose now speaking from a natural sense the head is the command center of our bodies I want to tell you this my head right now you saw me just scratch my head my head sent a message to my hand and I didn't even hear what my, what my brain spoke to my hand. But my brain sent a command to my hand and it forced me to scratch my head. If I take this microphone from this hand and I position it on the other one, you know who did that? It was my mind speaking to my hand to do that. I'm here to tell you, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the head. He's the master. He is the controlling system of this thing called the church, which is the body of Christ. From a natural perspective, the head is the command center of our bodies. Our head provides the bulk of all of our senses. It is through our head that we can understand what sight is, smell is, sound, and taste is. It is the avenue where we have oxygen and where it comes from. The head is a vital part of our bodies. Without it, my friend, we cannot live. Without it, we're dead. Likewise, the church cannot function outside of the head, which is Christ Jesus. We receive our vision from Jesus, our head. We receive command from Jesus, our headship. We receive direction from Jesus, our headship. If a body part fails to do the head commanded to do, then that part of the body will be out of order. And I'm here to tell you today, submit yourselves to the headship of Christ. Submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. Let God's head, let God, the head of the church, lead us and guide us in becoming the church God has called us to do. Because if we don't do that, there's this term that we call a physical disability. That's what we call a physical disability, meaning that the body is unable to perform at the levels of its full potential because there's a disconnect between the brain, the head, and the body. So whenever the church is not operating according to the command of Christ, we become disabled, meaning that we are unable to operate in our full potential. But church, 
New Birth Kissimmee, Pointiana, Port Ritchie, North Campus. But church, if we submit ourselves to the headship of Jesus Christ and we begin to take our commands from Jesus, our captain, the church, you and I, we will begin to reveal the might, the power, the authority of Jesus here on earth. Can somebody say amen? But Jesus is not only the head of the church. He's the head over everything. He wants to be the head over your circumstance. He wants to be the head over your family. He wants to be the head over your marriage. He wants to be the head of your finances. He wants to be the head of everything. Because he's above and beyond all human and spiritual authority. His word is supreme and above all law and mandate. And this is why the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 verses 10 through 12. He says, and at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. What is he saying? At the name of Jesus, the preeminence of Christ, everything will have to submit on earth and in heaven and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So as I close, let me recap what I told you. That Jesus is the preeminence in creation. And he wants to be the preeminence of this new life that he has in store for you if you're here friend and you don't have Jesus in your life why don't you start a new life with Christ in your heart not only is Jesus the preeminence of creation Jesus is before and above all things at the end of the day the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away because Jesus the logos of God the action the sustainer and the word of God will be eternal and forever and not only that but Jesus is who sustains the world and our lives I want you to grasp this in your spirit Jesus wants to you he wants you to understand that he is sustaining every situation of your life nothing happens in this world absent of God's knowledge and lastly Jesus is our headship to whom we willingly submit ourselves to so as I close I want to ask you friend are, would you be willing to surrender would you be willing to submit your life to Jesus not there's a lot of Greek words that express servant in the Bible not as the word doulos in the Greek, which is a slave by obligation. But actually the word diakonia, which literally means to serve strictly because of love. He's the head of the church. He wants you, my friend, to be the body of the church. How do I become the body inviting Jesus into your heart? How do I do that, pastor? Simple. If you want Jesus in your heart, all you need to do is repeat this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I heard your word and I believe that you are God and you have a plan for my life. So I receive Jesus as my God, as my Savior, and as my King. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. So I invite you to be my Savior. Wash me and cleanse me with your blood. Write my name in the book of life. 
and seal me with your Holy Spirit. And with your help, I promise to serve you for the rest of my life. Friend, if you made that prayer, welcome to the family. Heaven is rejoicing. We are rejoicing. The church is rejoicing because heaven has won. So all over our campuses and across our homes, we all put our hands together and celebrate you coming home to the glory of the Father.